Welcome to Following God Through Exodus. My name is Caleb Copeland, and today I will be reading Exodus chapter 23, verses 1 through 19. Before we get too far in, I would like to start with prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord of Lords, Jesus, we open our hearts to you today. Use us, your people, to bring the gospel to our families and our communities. Amen. All right, let's dig in. Chapter 23. Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. Do not follow the crowd in wrongdoing. When you give a testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. And do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to return it. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help him with it. Do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. Have nothing to do with a false charge and do not put an innocent or honest person to death for I will not acquit the guilty. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see the twist in the words of the innocent. Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners, because you were foreigners in Egypt. For six years you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it, and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. Be careful to do everything I have said to you. Do not invoke the names of other gods. Do not let them be heard on your lips. Three times a year you are to celebrate a festival to me. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. For seven days eat bread made without yeast as I have commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv. For in that month you came out of Egypt. No one is to appear empty-handed before me. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops that you sow in your fields. Celebrate the festival of ingathered at the end of the year, when you gather in your crops from the field. Three times a year, all the men are to appear before the Sovereign Lord. Do not offer the blood of a sacrifice to me along with anything containing yeast. The fat of my festival offerings must not be kept until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God, and do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. This is the word of God. So let's talk about what we just read. At this point in the story of Israel, God's chosen people, Moses is on Mount Sinai, about to wrap up reading the commandments that God gave Israel in order for them to be a holy nation. This scripture told the Jews how to be merciful and just, 
It told them about the laws of the Sabbath. And it told them that they need to party at least three times a year. (laughs) This is an important point. God loves to party. And I don't think we should forget about that. (laughs) With all of these laws, have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what's the point? I mean, let's take a step back and look at these commandments. There are hundreds of them. They are very specific, and some of them are going to make the people of Israel look weird. And I, I think that was the point. God wanted them to look weird to the rest of the world. These commandments would set the Israelites apart from everyone else as a holy nation. You might remember from a previous chapter in Exodus how important this was to God. He actually came to earth and shared a meal with his people. He used his own finger to write the commandments into stone. This is not something that happened every day, and I believe places a significance on the law God made. Now, all of these commandments can be summed up with one word, Torah. The word Torah means instruction or guidance, and it comes from a verb that was used in archery, which means to aim. The Torah is not the law. It is the target. It defines the bullseye that Israel was to aim for. It is God laying down the narrow path to holiness. If it weren't for the Torah, we would be missing a massive part of what it means to be holy. You might be asking yourself, how can the Torah make up such a large part of holiness if most of these commandments seem so irrelevant? This is a great question. And I would say the answer must be that the commandments aren't irrelevant, that they're extremely important. God's passion is made clear through the commandments he gives his people. Love. God loves his people and expects that his people will be set apart by the love that they give in turn. If I were going to sum up the Torah in one verse, I would point to Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. This spells out God's holiness as love. Love your enemies, take care of widows and orphans, and help the poor who are in need. How can this be irrelevant? I'm afraid that we recoil against these laws as a society because we can't handle the truth anymore. Our culture has a life-for-me mentality, and this has strengthened our pride and selfishness against anything that would say differently. Let's go back to Exodus and look at verse 9. Don't oppress foreigners. Does that pull on a heartstring? Does that sound familiar? Did you know that Grand Rapids alone accepts 600 refugees every year? That's right next door. If we're scared to accept refugees into our home, we not only break the Torah, but we also ignore the teaching of our Savior. In the book of Matthew, Jesus, in a beautifully similar fashion to Moses, gives his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus takes what Moses said and raises it to a new level. Love your enemies. If your enemy's car is broken, fix it. If your enemy has a burden, help him carry it. This is our calling as Christians. 
if you're looking for God's calling in your life, look no further. That was it. Jesus makes this very clear when he says that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Jesus fulfilled the Torah. The aim for holiness is now Jesus. He filled it up and showed us with his life how it was meant to be lived. Jesus shows us how to walk the Torah. If we follow Jesus, we must also walk as he walked. No exceptions. If this seems intense to you, don't worry. It is. In fact, it's such a heavy burden to bear that from the time it was written, Israel, they failed to obey the law God made. Ultimately, the Torah condemns every last one of us. There's a story in the gospel about a woman brought to Jesus by some religious people. They told Jesus that she was caught in adultery and according to the law, should be stoned to death. They asked Jesus what he thought. Do you know how he responded? Jesus got down on his knees, and with his finger, he wrote in the dirt. With his finger, he wrote in the dirt. He said to them, Whoever here has not sinned may throw the first stone. What Jesus was saying to them was, Hey, I was the one who wrote the law in the first place. I'm writing it again right now. He did not say that the law shouldn't be followed or that it was useless, but instead, Jesus lived a perfect life and fulfilled the law. In the end, we're all like this woman. We all deserve to be stoned to death. That's a harsh truth. Do we accept that? If we don't truly believe that, we as Christians have become just another Pharisee. We've become religious people who pray and go to church and do all the good things because we feel that's what the right thing is to do. And that is the wrong reason. We can't earn a clean slate from our sin. Every single person falls short of the glory of God. We've all missed the target, and there's nothing we can do to change that. Jesus Christ is our only hope of salvation. And he's also our perfect example of holiness. Pray with me this week that God would reveal to us as a church family where we can do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. How can we be set apart as a family of priests to impact our communities for better?